You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Well, I'm excited about what God has been doing through this series, and all those cards will make a whole lot more sense here towards the end. We're going to do something together, and hopefully... Uh, you'll participate with us, and um, but I'm excited about what God's been doing and the li- your lives and the life of this church through this series and just this year, um, you know, especially the series about the vision and uh, the mission of our church and here at TCAR, and many of you have responded to what God's doing in your life so boldly and started signing up to serve and and being generous, and, and we've had some new people join the church. You saw some of those folks in there, and there's some more to go through the process. And it's, uh, it's encouraging and glorifying to God, and thank you for allowing this church to be able to see that in your life. And I just look forward to what else he does in you uh, as we go throughout even today. Um, if you were invited by somebody and this is your first day with us this morning, maybe first visit, um, please know that we're so glad you're here and just want you to make yourselves at home and there's no pressure here. And we just want you to know the God who made you, what he made you for, and for you to experience that life that he has for you. He has a plan for you and it's his role to do any pressuring this morning. We don't do that here. We just like to present truth and talk about that and here's what God says and then let you process that at your pace and, and uh, help you with any questions, help you with any steps that you want to take, uh, but we leave all that pressuring up to, to God and, and what he's doing in your life. Our role is just to be here to help you and encourage you and um, we'll probably have one more Sunday of the Even So sermons, but I want you to remember that this is a theme for us for the next year through 2017 that uh, you will be reminded of it, and what we're doing here um, is embodied in, that ev- in this Even So campaign of through the next year and the goals we have set uh, to see God really do something amazing through 2017. And, uh, but today, I just want to be really fairly simple and encouraging, okay? Does that sound like a good Sunday before Thanksgiving? Uh, all of you are more focused on turkey right now than probably anything else, and so I don't want to bog you down too much with an overload of information, but uh, just want to be encouraging and just remind us as we go into Thanksgiving that there's something really greater than all of this Thanksgiving stuff that we should be thankful for. And so I want that to happen for you. And, and so let me start by just praying for us a little bit this morning uh, as we start. Um, God, would you just uh, put me aside and do what you can do this morning through your Holy Spirit? Would you open hearts and minds to your word and who you are? And I just pray that we would be obedient to you and that people would see you for who you really are this morning, that you are good and that you love people and that uh, you desire more for us than probably we want for ourselves, that you desire for us um, to know you deeply and find peace in you. So, Father, would you just just speak to people this morning? And uh, we thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, But we've kind of talked about throughout this series um, about how what really life's about and that you can live your life for a lot of things. It's your choice, but there is something that is more important than everything else. And when you discover that and lock your life into that, then your life can count for something amazing and beautiful and knowing that God can take, um, the even so moments and make something wonderful out of something that we see as just an an awful situation Um, that even in the midst of a broken world and the sinful choices of people 
that Jesus can enter a moment and change things, change you. And that's awesome to me. It's, it's not this religious twist your arm, uh, you know, force you to do something. You should live for God. Uh, because the world looks at that and says, why would I want to do that? Like people who aren't Christians who look at this from the outside say, why would I want to live for God and say no to me and try to make God look good and do everything for him rather than for myself? Why would I want to do that? Like the world, that's, that's, they're like, why, why would I do all that for him? What about me? But, but yet it's obvious that Jesus can enter into a moment and flip upside down what's going on. And mostly he does that by changing the hearts of people. Less often does he change the situation, but rather changes the people in the situation. And the, per, and, and the perspective here is that there is something more important going on in the world, something greater than anything else, and if you can figure out what that is and lever, leverage your life for that, then your life takes on greater meaning than just living for the two minutes you've got right here, right now, on this earth. Your brief time in this life, then, isn't wasted. You guys have heard me talk about this before. I love, anybody remember the movie City Slickers? Y'all remember that movie? And, and uh, I can't remember his name right now. The mean guy, well, he wasn't so mean, but the, the yeah. He, he said, when he, when he was talking with, uh, I've lost that whole scene. He says, when you, he talks to him, he says, if you figure out this one thing, he, he asks him what, he says, what's life all about? And he says this, he says, your finger? No, one thing, okay? It's about, if you can figure out that one thing, then, then that's it. And, and so I hope you figure out what that is. I, I, I know what it is but I hope you figure out what that is and live for that instead of all this other stuff. Now, the only way to experience this is to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is the, and just a relationship that is real and authentic and, it, and that changes you and you begin to realize that it isn't about having the right job or going to the right school or having the right car or having the right house or it isn't about being comfortable or having nice things, you know, and everything nice and neat in my life the way I want it to play out. Um, it isn't about joining a church or walking an aisle one more time, you know, even though that's, that's a good thing to do. What will bring Jesus glory in your life and in the lives of those around you is, is when you begin to encounter God and live in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It changes everything. And when you truly encounter God and know Jesus, really know him through a personal, intimate relationship, he does this. I love this verse, not just because you two sang a song about it, made a song out of it, but because I love this scripture, okay? Psalm 40, 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. I was in the pit. You see that? He's, it's a, it, he's saying, I'm in this pit. I'm in the miry clay. But even so, says, he set my feet up on a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. You see how he took this bad situation and turned it into something beautiful that caused other people to go, wow, look at that. And it pointed other people to God because of this even so moment. You have an even so moment and it turns things upside down. It puts things in God's perspective and we see things in his economy, not ours. And it's cool to look at people that they can look at you and, and see the difference. In here, it, it, it's a thing of there's a new song and people see that and go, wow, you were here and in this pit, but then now you're singing this song? And, and it just, it, people go, wow, there's something amazing. Something has happened in you. You're different. 
because the explanation of that is bigger than you. It's bigger than anything you could do on your own. And if we don't live differently as Christians, if we don't live differently, then how is the world going to know that there's something different in a, about us as Christians? I, I just think, and I, it's the curse of living in a prosperous country and living in a, a nation where we're just so blessed that as Christians, there's just too much of us that looks just like the rest of the world. Anybody agree with that? That all, it, We as, as Christians just look too much like the rest of the world and we think it's okay. And there has to be a point where we say, I, I don't want to be different just for the sake of being different or even be weird just for the sake of being weird. You know, it's that whole thing I say often of, you know, a lot of Christians who said, well, the world doesn't get, get me because I'm a Christian. And that's not true. The world doesn't get you not because you're a Christian, but just because you're just weird, okay? Um, some Christians have made it their ambition in life to be strange. I don't, I don't know, you know, be as strange as possible and w wonder why the world doesn't get them, okay? And the simple reason the world thinks you're weird is just because you're weird, okay? And that's okay. We love you anyway, and I have my weird things about me, but I don't think people looked at Jesus and thought he was so weird. I don't think that's the term they would have used for him. Because you don't invite weird people over to your parties and, and, and introduce them to your friends, okay? But that's what lost people did with Jesus, okay? That's what a lot of people did with him. See, Jesus fit in where he needed to, but in the important moments, he was just different than everybody else. And that's what the world needs, is people who have something different about them, something refreshing in their lives and the way they live. And it's not just that they're wasted while the world is wasted, but they are alive and awake while the world is wasted. And not so that they can point their finger at a wasted world and say, look, you're wasted and I'm better than you. But so while the world is wasted and looking for life and what life is really all about, they can say, hey, there's something different and better and more satisfying than being wasted, and it's being filled with the love of God. And, and why would I want to be under the influence of anything else when I can be under the influence of God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit? You know, the New Testament says, don't be drunk with wine because that's, that's a waste. It's being wasted, right? But be filled with the Spirit and that's how our lives is, will be different. And if, it, if that whole thing doesn't, of being filled with the Spirit doesn't trickle down into our everyday lives and how we do things every day and interact with people and at work and at school and just who we are, how we act, it, it just doesn't matter if it doesn't affect all that. Now, this is the big deal this morning to all that. I believe one of the greatest ways for us to have these even so moments and bring Jesus into the broken moments of those around us is when we just lock on to Jesus and, and praise him and turn to him in our, even when everything in our life goes wrong, when it all crashes, okay? And that's what this morning's going to be all about. I believe one of the greatest ways for God to bring you to himself and to most glorify himself, I believe one of the greatest ways that we help others see Jesus in our life is not when everything's going great in our life. And I say, you know, and, and I go, hey, everything's good. Praise God. He's so good. Look at, the, look at my life, man. It's great. Praise Jesus, you know. Because the world isn't ready to hear that, Right? When you get the job you wanted and you get a raise at work and you, you have a, uh, the girlfriend you wanted or you get married or you just got a new car or you have parents who like you and you like them and you get along good, right? And they, even the in-laws are great, right? And you, were, you got on this basketball team and you hit the winning shot at the end of the game and you're employee of the year at work, Right? 
and, and you give that whole big, oh, it's all because of God and he's good, right? And you tell everybody, I just, I just want to praise Jesus for what he's doing in my life. You know, people see that and they often, especially the rest of the world, kicks back on that and is like, yeah, good for you, fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's what's wrong with Christians right there is what they usually say, right? It's why Christian pro athletes, when they, they point up and, you know, Tebow and all of them, they get so much heat because they do that stuff and because people go, well, I, yeah, yeah, he's excited and going to praise God, making millions of dollars and all that. You know what I'm saying? It's why Christian actors and stuff take such heat over their stance as Christian and, and as Christians and displaying that, speaking about it. But you flip that, and what happens when the bottom falls out of everything? And then someone stands up, and they may have tears streaming down their face, and they say that same thing. They, with a heart that's just broken to pieces, they say, you know what? I'm, I, I don't understand it all. I can't hold back the tears. I'm hurting. But I do believe in a great God who is running the world, and I believe my life is in his hands. And my life will count for something, regardless of this situation, no matter how bad it gets. And I'm just trusting him with everything, and I'm just holding on because I know he's good. That, that's a little different. People hear that, and they may not still line up outside your door for that, but they will come around and ask questions when the bottom drops out for them. And they'll want to know, how in the world did you hold it together? And how did you have so much peace? And where did that come from in the midst of what you're go you were going through? Because right now, that's that for me. And I just don't, I don't have any of that. The message of Jesus is most effective when our lives hurt the most. It just really is. It's when things don't go the way we wanted them to, when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, and it will be a day for some people. It will be an hour for, for some of you. It will be a month, six months for some of you. You may go into a season of life where it's just difficult. And some of you will go through that, and all the little churchy sayings... You know, just, just don't matter in that moment. They just don't work anymore. All the, oh, you just got to trust in the Lord, and, and it, it, he has a purpose in it, and it's for a reason. And all the churchy sayings we say, and which is okay, but you're in this fog, and you just can't see through it. It's a life-shaking trouble, and you start to wonder if anything you've ever believed in your life was true. And you start to doubt it. Even, you, you just can't see it. And you prayed, and it seemed like the more you prayed, the worse it got. Anybody ever been there? You're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. God, I'm, I'm coming after you, and I'm praying, and I'm asking you. But it just seems like the more I pray, the worse this whole thing gets. And if you haven't experienced that, it, it's easy to experience it, okay? It may be coming for you, and some of you don't like that, I can tell, but the world is broken, and it will come your way sooner or later. That's what Jesus said himself. If you look at John 16, where I want us to focus in on this morning. In here, Jesus says in John 16, he said, I have told you these things. And often we just read that verse and we keep going. But what, what did he tell them? I have told you these things. What things? What did he tell them? You, you go back to like chapter 14. And he, and he says, trust in the Father and I go to prepare a place for you that, that where I am, there you can be also. You can be with me always, forever at that point. He explains that to them. I'm going away, but when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You're going to have the Holy Spirit, not just with you, but in you. He says that to him. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he says, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. These are all the things he had just told them, okay? So to put that in perspective of these are the things he just said, and I, he said, I told you these things, okay, so that, 
He said, there's a reason I just explained all that to you. That in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And you, you may have heard it explained, the whole take heart, the, the literal meaning of that. And you go back to the Greek, you know, and do all that stuff. It, it, does, it, does it mean, oh, just be of good cheer? No, it's not just a little pep rally. Hey, take heart. Cheer up. Smile. Don't worry. Be happy. It's none of that stuff, right? This word, when it says take heart, it means to dig in and hang on for dear life. That's what he's saying. It sounds nice to say, take heart. I've overcome the world. But what he's really saying is dig in and hang on for dear life because I've overcome the world. I told you that there was a better place waiting, a place we can be together forever, that one day the curse of this world will be over. This isn't all there is, that in the meantime I told you I would go away, but there would be a Holy Spirit, be the Holy Spirit who would come to you so that I can be, live in you and be with you always, all the time, even today, even now, not just when you get to heaven that I'll be with you, but I can be with all of you all the time now. And you know the way. He told him, he said, you know the way, it's in, it's, it's, it's in me, the truth, it's me, the life, it's me. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. I told you these things so that when things go bad, that whole verse is to say, I, I told you all that stuff and you need to remember it because when things go bad, even so, you can have peace. It, it, it's to turn the whole economy upside down because we think when things are bad, we're not supposed to have peace. You're not allowed to have peace. If you don't have peace, you must not care. But God says in his word that even in the midst of all that, one of the greatest things can ever happen to you is to have peace. And it makes God real to people. In the world... You're going to have trouble. It's not a matter of if you will ever have trouble. It's just a matter of when. In the world, trouble. But Jesus says, in me at the same time, that, that trouble equals peace. Not a set of religious beliefs peace. Not in the pastor peace. Not in more stuff in the world peace, if you just had more money peace, if you just had a more comfortable life peace, if everybody around you would just do what you would say, everybody would have peace. It's not that kind of peace, okay? It's in him, Jesus, is where the peace is. You and him in a relationship is where peace is found in the middle of a world where the bottom will fall out on you more often than you want it to. So you can kind of go two ways with this, and a lot of people do, in the, especially in the Christian world. We do this. You can be in this defeated mentality camp and say, well, that's just how things are. The world is cursed, and it's messed up, and, you know, you just have to deal with it and do the best you can. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and life's hard, and it stinks. Suck it up, buttercup, right? Now, does that fire anybody else up? That doesn't, like, excite me too much right? But then there's the other extreme too. There's this other extreme of Christians that says, well, I'm a Christian, and because God is with me, and he's on my side, that, that I won't, I'm not going to have any trouble. Life will be great now, and it's easy, and it's a cakewalk now, and I have God in my life, and man, it's just going to be prosperity, and he wants to bless me, and, and it's just going to be all good, Right? Now, if that's you, you just need to let Jesus in on that theology and Paul and Stephen, okay, and the rest of the apostles that followed Jesus. They must have missed something because it didn't go that way for them. And the martyrs even all over the world today aren't getting that, okay? But you hold on to that if you want to and get ready because you may give your life to God and it may be the opposite of clear sailing. Because when you become a Christian, you put your life into play for what matters most. And you become a target of an enemy that is very real. 
we did two weeks on that before we entered this whole deal because I wanted us to understand how that works. Even, even sit-back, apathetic Christians will get a little bit of trouble every now and then. But nothing like those who step up to the plate and get in the game all in. If, you get, if you're all in in the game, Satan's all in to come back at you, okay? Because he doesn't want you doing that, okay? And if you don't get the all-in thing, it's a poker thing. Any poker players in here? I about got you to admit to sinning right there, trying to get you. Watch it, okay? That was a trick, pastor trick. I'm just kidding, okay? All in, it's poker time. I remember Francis Chan, um, he used to pastor out in California. He's off the grid now doing some crazy stuff that's good, but um, very challenging stuff. But he, he talked about baptizing this guy one time, and he talked about how this guy, he's a lost guy. He had a gambling problem. He, he just, just really, and, and he's about to baptize this guy. And he's like, I'm not sure if this guy really understands. So he asks him, he says, hey, do you, do you understand what this means and what you're doing? Like what, what this represents that you're doing here with, with God and the whole. He says, yeah. He said, Francis, to, to put it in terms that I, I understand, I'm all in. I'm all in. All the chips are on the table. I'm putting all of my hope into this one thing. I'm all in. I'm playing, I'm playing that hand. And that, that's what it is. You know, I, I remember sitting in a seminary class debating with some other, there was this debate that was going on of uh, what's the minimum requirement? Like, like what is the basic these things have to happen or you have to do in order to be a Christian. What's the minimum to be able to say you're saved? We like that, right? We want to know, how can I get in by the skin of my teeth and still live however I want to live? Okay? So there's debate going on about what you got to believe and you got to do this and this, you have to believe these things. And, and, and it just, it, it took me a, a couple of years until I was sitting around and I just went, and I, and I heard this and I was like, you know what? There are no minimum requirements. There is no minimum, this is what it's got to be. It's all or nothing. It's everything. It's your life. It's, you're giving your life to Him. There's no like, well, what's the minimum deal here? It's, it's all in. It's all or nothing. So between, you know, the mentality camp that says, hey, there's not going to be any trouble. I'm following God now in the camp that says life stinks, deal with it, okay? Stands Jesus, who when those moments come, the dark night of the soul, you can stand up and say, I believe in the middle of this that God is good. In the, in the good and the bad, in the curse and in the blessing, that there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, in the middle of it all, who is bigger and more powerful than any trouble that will ever come to my life, no matter how dark things get. And I believe he will come through, and he has a purpose for my life, and he will prevail no matter what. I have trouble, yes. Overwhelming sorrow, yes but I have an overcoming Savior. And I will hold on to the truth that brings me peace in the midst of it all. In my 18 years of ministry, I have seen a lot of unbelievable circumstances that have just rocked people to their knees and sometimes me with them. Because it, it's, it's part of the job, okay? Just to clue you young guys in, David Tyler, when you say, I know you probably understand this, but when you sign up for ministry, more often than not, people, people are going to call you and invite you into the worst moments of their life. People just don't call up pastors and go, hey, I was reading the Bible this morning, and I'm just so full of the Spirit, and I'm going to witness to everybody at work, and I'm going to invite 10 people to church, and I'm going to give extra this week, and I just love this church, and I love you, and I'm with you, and, and, and let's go. Like, you, you don't get those calls very often, okay? But you get the calls often that say, hey, this just happened and we need you. And you get invited into the bad moments, okay? And I, I've done funerals for children. 
first funeral I ever did was for a nine-year-old little girl. Nine-year-old handicapped little girl, I'll never forget it. And being at the hospital and the grandmother who was taking care of her when the little girl died and the hospital coming to me and saying, you're going to have to get that little girl out of her hands because rigor mortis is going to set in and it's not going to be pretty and we need your help because she just would not let go of her. And so I had to take her out of her arms and promise her I would stay with her all the way out of the hospital. I've loaded teenagers on Lifestar more than once. As a chaplain, been at death scenes of many kinds, including the drugstore shooting and being stationed, various stabbings, even between family. Seen marriages crumble, careers ruined, people buried in depression and addiction, lives devastated by disease and sickness and everything in between. And I don't know what you're facing or will face. There's no way to know that. But, but I want to give you something this morning that rises above all that. What I want to give you this morning is simply this. No matter what comes or goes, the best step you can take is to fix your eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ in the midst of all that, which is strange because usually someone talks about, you know, you know somebody dies or whatever, all the talk is about heaven and the future and eternal hope and all these things down the road kind of thoughts, and yet we're not even talking about heaven or looking ahead. I'm, I'm telling you to look back at the cross. To you, it's back. In God's economy, the cross is the center of all time. To look at it, understand it, because the cross of Jesus Christ in that is everything you need in your worst moments. This isn't just my advice. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews 6, verse 19, which is a picture of Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. Okay? Him going behind the veil in the temple in, in Jerusalem where only the priests, you know, back in the Old Testament when the priests would go into the temple to make sacrifices for the people's sins, only the priests could go behind that big curtain. People could come in so far, but then they had to tie a rope to the priest's leg so he could go in and make sacrifices for the people. And if he did something wrong and, and God killed him, he fell over dead, they could pull him out with that rope because nobody could go in there but the priests. Serious business, okay? But this verse 19 in Hebrews 6 is a picture of Jesus going behind that curtain and becoming our ultimate sacrifice for all time so that we wouldn't have to do that anymore. Him going into the Holy of Holies to be offered for the people of sacrifices, for their sacrifice, so that all of us could reconnect to God and when Jesus dies on the cross for us, it tells us that that veil gets torn in two. It's no longer needed. It says in Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope. And this is one of my favorite pictures in the scriptures. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Isn't that beautiful? Firm and secure it enters in the sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus is our anchor for our soul. And when all the disappointment, anger, and frustration and darkness comes, it is the sacrifice God made for us of his son Jesus on the cross that is the anchor for our soul to bring us peace when the bottom drops out of life. And the cross tells you that God loves you more than I could ever say to you. That's, that's a big thing that as pastors we like to say because it's true. It's how we try to comfort people. And it's one thing for me to say to you, hey, God loves you. But it's a completely different thing when you look at the cross and through the cross, God says that to you. How much more God values your life and doesn't want it to be wasted. The cross tells us God loves us when the bottom drops out and the first thing you usually think is, man, God must not like me at all. When things go bad, that's what we think, isn't it? Man, God just doesn't like me. He must be mad at me. My circumstances are telling me that God doesn't love me. But when you look at the cross, 
even in those moments, it tells you God loves you more than we can understand or fathom, and it goes far beyond the circumstances we're facing. Now, here's the element I can't fully explain, and I've tried to give some light to it here many times from this platform, but this is definitely the best explanation I can give that I've ever heard of or can give. And the cross is this place that tells us that God allows freedom, but where he also maintains control. Anybody else wrestle with that? You know, how, how does all that work? How is it that, God, that, that there's this great sovereign God, but yet he's allowing all this craziness and and, and is he really in control or is man have choice? Is man just running amok? And how does that all work? How is it we can make choices, but God is in charge of everything? Do you wrestle with that sometimes or is it just me? Okay. Free will or God chooses. I know a few of you would like to argue that you've got it figured all out, but you really don't. Okay. I'm just a Christian reading the Bible and following Jesus. And he doesn't tell us to be in this camp or this camp, but just to have a relationship with him through his word and prayer. And yes, we have choices, but yes, he is sovereign. I believe God allows us to have freedom and allows us to have choices, and yet I believe God maintains control all at the same time. There is providential will. There's some things that God's just going to do, and that's it. There's no way around that. There's his moral will that says we're supposed to do certain things. But in between is us and his personal will for our lives and, and, and there's choices and how do you put that together? I don't know, but just you can just look at the cross and you can see it. If there was ever a place in history that we would think the, that, that freedom of choice of man won the day, it was at the cross. You know the story, they took him by force, illegal trial, uh, falsely accused him and then the officials even gave, gave the mob a choice between Jesus and this known cri criminal, right? Barabbas and the mob chose the criminal to be set free and yelled out to crucify Jesus who had done nothing wrong, okay? And you would say, if the choices and free will of men ever won out, it was in that moment. And they dragged Jesus down and tortured him and hung him naked on a cross in the hot sun to suffocate and die a criminal's death. And if you were standing there that day, you would have been saying so much for the sovereignty and the control of God. Because that's his son on the cross. Okay? But then so I don't totally alienate my... the other side of my friends, okay? Then you read stuff like Acts 2.23, right? That says, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross, okay? NASB, another version says, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed to a cross by the, by the hands of godless men and put him to death. So, so which is it? Did God offer him up or did you crucify him? Both. In that moment, God allowed freedom, but he never stopped maintaining control. And the truth is true for you and me and, as well. I don't know what all has gone on in your life, how dark how bad things have been for you. But is this true for you, though? Yeah, people's choices are at play in your life. There's people that made choices, and it's affected you terribly. Some of it's hurt you badly. So why doesn't God stop all the choices? You know, I've stood and talked with people, I mean, even just recently in a, at a wedding, why does God allow it to continue? I was abused as a child, and yet God allows this stuff to keep happening. Why? I can't believe in a God like that. So why doesn't God stop it all? He will one day. And could right now. 
I don't know when Jesus is going to return and all that's going to happen in times. Nobody knows, okay? It's a dilemma. Do we want God to end the choices that hurt people and stop the pain, or do we want to endure the pain and allow time to go on so that more people can have mercy and grace and experience God and, and, and come to know Him? You realize that? For your loved ones and friends, the longer time goes on, yeah, there's all this bad stuff in the world, but it's, a, it's giving them more of a chance to know Him and be with Him forever. So maybe you're in the dark hour. You're in that dark night of the soul. Maybe that's where you are and things are bad. But at the cross of Christ, you can realize He loves you and, and, and there's, there's something different for you. And the last thing the cross tells you today is that God can take the worst and turn it into something glorious. If you were standing there that day when Jesus was crucified, you would have said, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. This is the worst day ever. What, what on earth has ever happened that was worse than the son of the living God being humiliated, tortured, killed, and abandoned to suffer the hell that we should have gotten? But thank God we weren't standing there. We're standing here a couple thousand years later looking back at it. And even though we would have been saying it was the worst thing we'd ever seen in history, and our faith probably would have evaporated in that moment, but we're not standing there. We're looking, standing, looking back at the cross, and we're saying that that was the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the world. How is that possible? How is it possible that the worst thing in that moment became the best thing? How is it possible the most awful, terrible suffering is something we sing about and celebrate and take hope in today? Because God loves to come through and say, even so, God is an overcoming God. That's how. There is hope, and he takes everything and anything and any trouble and turns it into something amazing and good and lasting. And the cross tells you that. Some of the stuff you've been going through or are going through is absolutely horrible and terrible. But God isn't finished with the story yet. It's not over yet. And he can do the same thing he did with his son and turn that story around into the best thing. And he can take the story you're in right now and do something great with, with it. Don't count God out. He's painting on a canvas bigger than we can see. You've heard that before. We, we're just a brush stroke on that canvas and we can't see the whole picture sometimes. And it may look horrible, but when you put it all together, it's beautiful. And God sees the whole thing, but we can't. And that's why we have to trust him and have hope. God comes down and rescues people and gives them the gift of salvation. And when we go through some hard time, God can use that to advance his kingdom. And God is saying in, in all of that for us, trouble, yes, but even so, overcoming Savior. He can take anything and make it into something glorious. And we can, we can see that. We can't see the big picture, but we can trust the one who cares enough to die for us. Jesus is reaching to you and saying, I understand what you're going through. Hebrews 4 tells us that. I understand what you're going through. D but don't count me out. Trouble, even so, overcoming Savior. Overwhelming sorrow, yes, even so, overcoming Savior. It's the verse we've hung our, this, this series on in our 
vision on right now for this church is Revelation twenty two seventeen, and I'm going to read verse 20 as well. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. It's a free gift to you because Jesus paid for your salvation on the cross. He says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And that just needs to be the prayer for us today, for all of us. It's just trouble, yes, but even so, come, Lord Jesus, quickly into my situation, into my life. May you just take over and even so turn this into something. I just one day will look back and go, do you see what he did? Trouble, yes, overcoming Savior. But I don't have hope, you may say. Well, even so, overcoming Savior. Jesus is our hope, but I can't figure any of this out. Even so, Jesus knows the beginning from the end, but nothing seems to be working. Even so, Jesus is at work in your life, but I just need to start over. Even so, Jesus will give you another chance, but I lost so much. Even so, Jesus can restore but I'm chained to this addiction. Even so, Jesus is a chain breaker. But I don't have any value. Even so, Jesus loves you and thinks you're worth dying for. But I don't think anybody's listening to me. Even so, Jesus longs to hear from you. But I'm tired. Well, even so, Jesus refuels and compels and gives passion to our souls. But I can't forgive them. Well, even so, Jesus can reconcile. But I'm so hurt. Even so, Jesus heals. But I feel so alone. Even so, Jesus will never leave you. But I don't think I can hold on anymore. Even so, Jesus is holding you. But I have overwhelming sorrow. Even so, Jesus is an overcoming Savior. Man, I'm dead to rights. Even so, alive in Christ. So, so what, is, what is it for you? God's waiting. Just, he's just sitting there. He's leaning in. He's going, I, wanna, I want you to have that even so moment. No matter where you're at in this process, he wants that for you. Maybe right now is it. Maybe you realize, man, I'm separated from God. Yes, I'm born in sin. I'm spiritually dead. And I've been trying to do this on my own, trying to figure it out on my own. I've been Lord of my life, trying to do it my way or, or whatever way, and I can't be good enough, and, and I've done so many bad things or whatever it is, and you're just trying to figure it all out, and you just need to let go of all that and say, you know what? Maybe I can't figure it out all out. Maybe I don't have all the answers. I'm just not a good God. And so I need to let go of all that, and I just need to turn because there's Jesus, and he is the, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega. He is the savior of the world. He died for my sins. He knows everything that's going on, and I just need to turn to him and say, you be God of my life. You be Lord of my life. And I just turn from my sin and myself and I turn to Jesus and say, I'm yours. Yes, all that stuff, but even so, come Lord Jesus and you take over and I'm yours. I'm all in. So you can do that right where you're sitting this morning. I'm going to ask you for a moment to just, with heads bowed and eyes closed, Maybe that's the conversation you need to start having with him right now is you just say, hey, God, best I know how, I'm turning to you. I'm, I'm giving my life to you. You died on the cross in my place for my sin so that even in times when I don't understand and I don't get it, even in times when I'm hurting, I can have peace because I know you love me, you understand, and you've got a plan that I don't see. You just have that conversation with God and just, you work that out with him. Again, I, I'm not here to pressure you. God's tapping you on the shoulder. He's speaking to you. You feel that. You know what he's saying to you. Just take that step. What are you waiting for?
At what point are you going to be all in? Father, I'm just so thankful that you can make us alive, that yes, we are, we're dead without you spiritually. Physically, you sustain us, but God, spiritually, what matters is eternity. And God, thank you that you give us hope beyond this world, beyond this life, but that we can start living different today because of your son, Jesus. Father, I pray for those right now who are making those decisions. Would you just open their hearts and their minds to understand it? That they would yield to you and find joy in it? That it wouldn't be an, oh my gosh, all I've got to give up, but they would go, oh my, how wonderful he is. And I can't believe I get him in exchange for nothing but my sin and my brokenness. And he allows me to be a part of his family. I pray they would see that. For the rest of you who would say you are a Christian, you've made that leap, that even so moment into salvation, I'm going to ask you as you pray, as we continue to pray, that God wants you to use your even so moment or moments to point others to him. And I'm going to challenge you this morning. Would you honor God this morning? by making a simple, even so statement. And what I'm going to ask you to do is on this table over here in the corner by the by these boards, by the pallets, there's a table there with some even so cards on it. And just like you saw in the video, we want to invite you as we sing to bring your card, to, to come over here, fill out one of these cards and pin it to this wall. As we go into Thanksgiving, this can be your first big step to say, thank you, God, for that moment. And you may have lots of them. I'm not saying you got to put up your salvation moment, but there's something that describes you and the even so moments you've had, even maybe lately. And would you pin it to that wall and give thanks to God and glorify Him and share the message of what He has done and is doing in your life. Would you honor him with this simple simple step? Father, I pray right now that you would bring to mind what you have done in people's lives this morning and that they would want to give thanks and honor you this morning and just bring that up here as a simple gesture to you to say thank you, God, for that moment. Thank you, Jesus. As our Lord and Savior, Savior, you give your, you gave your life to be our overcoming Savior. You overcame sin and death to give us real life, and we are grateful. We thank you and honor you, and we want to point others to you. In Jesus' name, Amen.